Welcome to Counterpressed on The Ringer and Spotify. It's a Thursday show. I'm in the studio with Kate Longhurst and Jesse Parker Humphreys. The first thing I see is both of you turning down the volume. <laughs> you were really loud. Sorry. Oh, sorry. Um, it's just, it's, sometimes I just go straight broadcaster mode and just booming. <laughs> I, f- I forget there's a mic sometimes. I think I'm in a, in a room where I need to project. Uh, Kate, welcome back. Thank you. It's been a while, hasn't it? Has it has been a while. We did come to your game. You did. We got. Some, I got. Well, not we. I got cancelled off the back of it. Um, <laughs> Jesse was actually the pervious. Becky was like medium. Okay, can perf. I just clarify? It wasn't actual perving. <laughs> it was a joke. No, not actual. Also, his actual age. <laughs> Your dad loved it. Yeah. What? He's actually sixty-nine. Yeah. So is my mum. Oh, wow. Well, Seventy next year. Party. <laughs> Joint party. <laughs> Jeff Longhurst. I will be attending. Lucy, Lucy Appleby. Let's make it happen. Um, yeah, we came to watch Charlton not have a great game, sadly. Yeah, you're not invited back. Kate got summed at half time. <laughs> it's actually too painful to talk about, but it's in the past now. And then Charlton almost came back. And then Charlton almost <laughs> pulled off an incredible comeback. I was the problem. But you play, you know, they've, you won. We've like, won since. Yeah, you've won since. Yeah, we've won And you've played last again. Game. Yeah, so I started that one. How are your knees after your very uncomfortable looking <laughs> knee slide? Good. I didn't think I'd get back up, but. Here's the thing. Whenever anyone knee slides, I think it looks really exciting. Yeah. And because I don't really ever score, I thought, oh, I'm going to do the knee slide as well because this looks fun. And but it you, was. You, yeah, you didn't score. You were just joining in yeah. on the knee slide. Yeah. yeah. It was a communal knee slide. I do think we're not yet in knee slide weather, unfortunately. No, the pitch was nice and wet. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I slid quite far. So you thought you had a good chance. Yeah. But still, you kind of bounced. Yeah. <laughs> no, the slide was good. It was the it was time to get up, to get up yeah. was the bouncy thing. Yeah, well, I commend you. On today's show, we're going to talk about England's game in the week, which um, was not a classic performance, but we're obviously going to touch on that. They lost to the Netherlands. It was 2-1 in Utrecht. We're also going to do a little fun WSL transfer, best 11, talk about some of the transfer window and who did the best and maybe who didn't do great business over the summer. And I also want to touch on the tragic passing of Sheffield United's Maddie Cusack as well. But let's start with England, guys, because I feel like on Monday's show, Jilly, Jesse and I maybe manifested a little bit too hard this kind of result because we spoke about the errors that had been creeping into England's game and the fact that all these errors were kept leading to goals. And from the first or five minutes, it was that kind of sloppy game. I think for me, the energy I'm getting from both the Nations League games from England, and it's not exactly surprising, so I wouldn't blame them for feeling this way, but it is sort of a mental and physical exhaustion and a kind of why are we here energy, which we've spoken about the weirdness of having an international window before the league starts. We had it again last year off the back of the Euros and the WSL is quite unique in the fact that this is happening before the league starts because other leagues have come back. But the general feeling, I think, um, from both those performances is it sort of was, God, really don't want to be here. I really can't be asked. And I think the reaction um, to get back into the game was positive. Uh, but I do think, you know, the fact that this is Olympic qualification um, and maybe the stakes don't feel 
as high and they probably think there's still a good chance of getting that. It just doesn't, yeah, it doesn't feel like probably the the intensity that we're used to seeing from them. And I was sort of a bit disappointed when they did concede that goal and I can't be asked to get into VAR discourse and I will not be doing that. But Katie Zellum was the only player who really went over to the ref and was like, that was offside. What the hell are you doing? And everyone else kind of like trotted back to the middle to kick off again. And I thought in those kind of scenarios, okay, as a footballer, you have to be in the ref's ear. You have to be in the lino's ear, respectfully. I'm not Jermaine Junis here. But you have to be up in their face about them fucking up. And that's kind of part of the game, right? You have to bring that that energy. And I think that kind of epitomised the, the, the whole group right now because I think they just are a bit exhausted. I think that's exactly what it is. I think they look so mentally fatigued that we have such good players but they are switching off. They are making mistakes. And after such a long World Cup, you're away from home for so long. You're putting in absolutely everything. You get to a final, you lose. Actually, your club football is a good switch off. It's a different environment. It's different challenges. It's fresh faces. And it's almost like they've had a couple of weeks off and now they're all back together again. And I don't know, five minutes into the game, you're not going to be tired as in physically. Um, but I think definitely mentally, just even the reactions of players, like you said, normally players will be up in a, a referee's face or challenging decisions. And it was almost like, oh, we've conceded because we've been sloppy. Um, but I, I don't think the VAR decision is is the big situation here. That happens. Um, there's no VAR in WSL football. So... You know, sometimes you get them, sometimes you don't. I mean, it was quite obvious offside. I just think there seems to be a bigger problem. Millie Bright's come out and said about the scheduling, that there is too much football in terms of the international windows when they are, the games they're playing. Um, and I do think these players need a break. And unfortunately for England, um, the way that Serena plays, she isn't really rotating the players. Um, and also there is a lot riding on this Nations League, you know, Um but coming from a World Cup to their Nations League, it's such a, a different competition. Is there the same energy um, and excitement for that as there was for the World Cup? Probably not. Um, but I, I do think they need a break. And now the WSL is starting and it's just football, football, football. And for some of us, it's like, oh, the WSL hasn't been around for ages. But for these players, they haven't been able to switch off. And I think you could see that in terms of even Arsenal coming back for the Champions League qualifications. Those players look tired as well. And it's we have to protect the players. Um, but if you need all these games, I also don't know when you fit them in. So does there have to be a restructuring? I'm not sure of the answer, but they do look very mentally fatigued. Liga Martin's goal came in the 34th minute. That was the kind of like offside one and then Russo getting the equaliser which was a very well taken goal and then Janssen getting that very late winner which was also well taken goal but another goal that came from England mistake Jesse, what were your thoughts on the game? Yeah I mean it wasn't the most exciting game in the world was it? I feel like <laughs> watching England at the moment feels quite dry Yeah Yeah I thought there was a lot of giving the ball away sort of in midfield, in defence, which is something we kind of talked about on Monday and missing Kira Walsh. And I do think that does have an impact on, you know, England's sort of confidence in in playing in and around those areas. Um, I also thought watching Rachel Daly up against Victoria Pulova was quite painful Oof. for a lot of the game. Um, I thought Pulova was really, really good. Um, she really actually suits that right wing back role. One for Joan Seidevel to ponder over, I suspect. If you're listening, <laughs> please. Um, 
But yeah, I did think England like had points where they looked really good going forward. Daphne van Domselaar made a ton of very, very good saves. Rousseau took her goal really well. That was her 15th goal in 30 England appearances, which is a pretty impressive record, I will say. And then, yeah, it's just a stupid... Because I think if you go, if you actually think about it, like take a step back. I know we went through a phase where England just like won all the time or amazing. So it's quite hard, I think, to switch back into being maybe a more normal level of like national football. But... If you'd gone and got the 1-1 draw away at what is probably your toughest opponent in that group, I don't think that's that bad, especially given like the context that Kate was talking about, like people, players being very tired, um, you know, the season hasn't even started yet technically. It's just so annoying, I think, to concede a goal like that right at the end. And then I think, yeah, it does kind of come also to Vigeman's unwillingness to bring other players on because not only are you talking about players who are already sort of maybe mentally fatigued coming into the game, you're then putting them under like the physical stress of playing a full 90. And then, you know, that does kind of feel like where more errors obviously crop up. England have become such elite tournament football specialists. And I think outside of that, I think we've seen them struggle a little bit more to maintain that same intensity. Van Zomstel had a fantastic game. I like, yeah, that is important to point out because she made some very good saves, which is a nice segue into our WSL Transfer 11. So let's get stuck into it after this. We haven't really touched on the transfer window that much yet. We wanted to save that and not talk about it on Monday's show. So today what we're going to do is we're going to build a team of what we believe are the best transfers in the WSL from the summer window. It's going to give us a chance to also talk about maybe some of the transfers that aren't so great or, you know, they could turn out to be weldies. But right now they may, might not be classics. So, of course, we've got to start with the goalkeeper, which is why uh, Van Domselaar is, you know, so relevant because I'm not sure if many people saw Wrighty's tweet on Tuesday night, but he was certainly tearing his hair out, although he doesn't have any hair. But um, <laughs> he was getting he was getting stressed a little bit about the Arsenal goalkeeper situation because Zinsberger did not have a good international break. There was a bit of a clip going viral uh, of a goal that she conceded, which was, I think, yeah, her brain just melted for a second. Twice in two games. <laughs> Twice in two games. So, yes, he was remarking about how... Aston Villa got Van Domsela on a free transfer, which seems like the obvious place to start for me because she is an exceptional talent. Aston Villa lost Hannah Hampton to Chelsea, but who cares when you've got Daphne Van Domsela slotting right in and she feels like she's going to be uh, here to stay, uh, certainly at the top of international football as well. She's been Holland's number one now for over a year or so. So, yeah, she's my goalkeeper pick, guys. Don't know about you if anyone disagrees, but... I have her as mine. Yeah. Um, there was a few goalkeeper changes and Yeah, transfers. Chelsea took most of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but I just think in terms of what she's going to offer for Aston Villa... I think when you do lose someone like Hannah Hampton, who is obviously very good with her feet um, and, and also a good shot stopper, but I do think she perhaps lacks command in her box as much. And I think Van Domselaar can actually bring that to Villa and she can play out from the back. Um, I mean, you saw yesterday, uh, or not yesterday, when did England play? Tuesday. Tuesday. She obviously makes a lot of good saves. I think she'll be really important for Aston Villa. So yeah, she's mine. 
I mean, I did have to give a shout out to Nikki Everard and thank, thank Brighton for taking her so we didn't have four goalkeepers <laughs> this season. Um, but yeah, Van Domsler, I think, is, is the obvious pick. Everyone knows how good she is at this point. Like, I personally think she's a big upgrade on Hannah Hampton. I want to briefly, though, Jesse, ask you about the Chelsea goalkeeper situation because it's been a bit of a talking point of the summer, the fact that Chelsea did have so many goalkeepers and the number one spot is sort of with Anne Kutrenberger, but there is going to be some rotation expected. Where do you think it sits right now? Because bringing Hannah Hampton in, she could be a number one elsewhere, but she's chosen to go to Chelsea. So, like, how? what do you think of that business from the club? And also, how is Emma Hayes going to keep all of those goalkeepers happy throughout the season? Yeah, I mean, my kind of personal opinion is that Chelsea are looking at what life looks like without Anne Katrinberger. Who knows when exactly that is, but I think Chelsea kind of believe that they have a very good setup in terms of goalkeeping coaching. And I think that's why they've looked to bring a variety of goalkeepers in and kind of sort of like giving them all a go to see who comes out on top. And I think, you know, if you're a club who's got the pull effectively to persuade someone like Hampton you know, an England international, someone who's starting for the fifth best team in the league to come and play for you and sit on the bench, then good for you. You know, I think really it maybe also speaks to like what other clubs might be missing if players don't feel like they are maybe going to get the same kind of like support or career progression. I definitely think Berger's like a great example of that in terms of, I feel like, the level she's kind of got to whilst playing at Chelsea. In terms of keeping them happy... Sprinkling of FA Cup and Champions League. It's Emma Hayes' perennial problem. You know, I think she's got that issue all over the pitch. Obviously, it's harder with a goalkeeper because you can only play one. But, you know, Hannah Hampton used to be a striker. Maybe we'll... (laughs) You never know. Chuck her up there last minute. My main opinion on Hannah Hampton is that I just think she has the... You can call it belief. You could call it ego that she kind of thinks she could maybe nail down that position. I don't think take the number one spot, but I think genuinely if Berger was to get injured, it would be a fair fight between Musevich and Hampton as to who would start. And competition for places is very important for a team that wins a lot of games because as soon as you don't have that competition, people get, you know, they take the foot off the gas, they get very lazy and standard slip, I think. And I think a lot of teams have have had that issue. Um, But also quickly on Nikki Everard, because would the idea, do you think, be that she will fit into that picture long term when Berger maybe retires or or something happens? Or do you think she's never going to be in the picture for Chelsea? I don't know. My hunch would be that Chelsea felt like when Hampton became available, she was someone they just had to go and get in terms of the fact she, her age, the fact she's homegrown. Um, her experience that she's already had. I mean, to be her age and to have played as many WSL games as that is, you know, like a really good position to be in. And that that's probably then complicated the Everard thing, who I think was sort of meant to be in this third keeper rotating with Musevich, maybe for that second spot role. Um, Everard's obviously quite a bit older. I don't really know. But I think her going out on loan makes sense as the decision given how much Hampton has played in the league. I don't think anyone's under any like doubts that Hampton has the ability to perform in the WSL. I think it's quite clear what her strengths and weaknesses are. Everard's coming from playing in the Belgium league and it's going to be interesting to see if and how she can step up. So I think it's the right decision, but I honestly just believe Chelsea 
are going to keep an open mind on it because they can. They've just got four goalkeepers that they can decide who's the best, basically. Well, that's enough goalkeeper chat. What formations have you guys gone for? Because I've got a bit of a chaotic hybrid um, of a 4-3-3, a 4-3-2-1 or a 4-2-3-1. Wow. So... I'm keeping my options open. I didn't really think that hard about the tactical <laughs> setup of it my imaginary football team. It was mainly because um, not many people bought left backs, so I kept falling yeah, apart. I've kind of put a right back as a left back that <laughs> yes. could play a left back. But I've sort of won't. cheated, which we're going to get to shortly. Um, so that's why I wanted to keep my options open because I thought if I need to maybe go and play with wing backs or something, I, I need to have those options. So why don't we start? with our left backs because this is where I have kind of cheated and you guys can tell me if you think this is cheating. I've gone Courtney Nevin. Cheating. (laughs) (laughs) Who was technically actually playing for Leicester City last year, last season, for the back end of the season. She joined on loan from Hammerby. But she did very well in that time, got four assists in her brief loan spell and they've now got her permanently. So she is my sort of cheaty left back pick. And, you know, I've bent the rules a little bit, but I think she's a very solid signing. And I think in general, Let's City have had a really good transfer window. And I think there are ways for Willie Kirk to kind of build on what he did the back end of last season. And I'm excited to see how they can kind of push on because I'm hoping and I think they have a good chance at not being in the relegation picture, I would like to think. Left backs. I'll allow you that because I have one further on that. So do I. <laughs> okay, so we've all cheated a little yeah. bit, so that's fine. I mean, technically that is still, you've got it's to get them over in. the line, haven't you? Yeah. So, yeah, mine, I've gone Ashley Lawrence and I know she's probably, well, she can play left back. I think she probably so, will okay. play. Okay, well, there we go back. then. So I'll go Ashley Lawrence. I think, I don't need to say a lot about her but I do think she will help Chelsea I think that is probably an area where they've not struggled as such but I think they've tried a lot of things there they've played a lot of players there um they've also played with three center backs and wing backs um Neve Charles has done a very good job as a wing back I think uh, as a left wing back as well um but I just think Ashley Lawrence brings a lot of experience, uh, a lot of pace, a lot of creativity. I think she's looked good over the international break. And I just think she might actually bring Chelsea something a little bit different that maybe they're lacking at the moment as much as they're an almost complete team. But I do think she'll hit the ground running. She slotted in as my right back. Same. But will be interesting to see where she does play under Emma Hayes. Who's your left back then, Jesse? I did go for Gabby George. I know they... Controversial. I don't think it is controversial. No. I know they paid a lot of money for her. That's, and that's, that's kind the controversy of why... I mean. It's the price tag more than... Gabby George is a very good yeah. player. I just think when you look at kind of the scale of transfers this summer and Man United spent a lot of money, it seems like a lot for a player who has had a few injury problems over the last few seasons, but hopefully is kind of maybe getting into the best years of her career. But it was also the talk of the town on deadline day. So it's got that kind of like pizzazz and, you know, star power, I'd say. Yeah, I mean, I think the money thing with these figures in women's football and clubs like Man United it's, you're it's all relative at the end pennies. of the day yeah. they're paying Jaden Sancho that to just sit outside you know <laughs> play FIFA <laughs> yeah like I think the only thing that's a bit odd is obviously that they sort of were in for Kyra Cooney Cross and then obviously wanted to get her on a free in January and then 
didn't spend the money on her when Arsenal like could and then got her. So that's the only bit I don't really understand if the money was there. But I think because United obviously have to replace Onabadia and they brought in Jade Riviere, but she's had a lot of injury problems and seems to have picked something up in pre-season. So they were using Letizia right back. And I think naturally then you probably want a more attacking left back to give you that sort of same ability to go forward that Batia offered from right back or left back, depending on when she played. Um, I think Gabby George really suits that role. Um, I think we saw her really excel at Everton at left wing back in particular and, you know, getting into the box. I think she's like a fine player. Like lots of people I think like her a lot more than I do. Like I feel like she's a good squad player, but I feel like for United it was like a sensible addition and not many people signed left back, so I had to pick someone. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that needs must. I think also United like to have that kind of Lionesses FC brand and I think she slots well to Well, she's like a United kid as well. Yeah, she is. It's a nice story. It's a nice story. She's got obviously big family connections there. So I think it's a bit of a homecoming for her. And her mum is an iconic hun. So (laughs) we have to respect that. Uh, My centre-back pairing is, this is my hipster's choice, another Leicester City player. <laughs> I'm a big fan Only of Only you could pick two Leicester City defenders. defenders. No, yeah. I've got a third Leicester City player coming oh. up, but not a defender, not a defender. Uh, Julie, and I'm going to do my breast, best... Your breast! <laughs> breast. <laughs> right, she there likes we go. her. <laughs> my best <laughs> French pronunciation. <laughs> Julie Thibault, which I'm, think, I'm thinking maybe we pronounce it like that, signed from Bordeaux. I think she's a decent player. You know, I've watched some of her clips and I'm feeling it. She's good in 1v1s. She's certainly, like, brave. She's had a lot of uh, nice kind of, like, on-the-line saves and heroic moments. And I think she's got the experience and the know-how. And I think she's exactly what Leicester need, especially after losing Ashley Plumpter. She was quite a big part of that defensive unit. So I think she's going to slip in nicely. And then... I'm not so sure where she's going to play at Villa because obviously at West Ham, um, she spent a lot of time playing midfield. But I put Lucy Parker as a centre-back. Do we think she's going to play there? Yeah, um, I think she'll play centre-back, okay. yeah. So Lucy Parker, obviously a huge coup from Aston Villa, another great signing from Carla Ward. A lot of clubs wanted her and uh, yeah, that's my centre-back pairing, guys. What are we thinking? I do think that's a good solid centre-back pairing yeah I do think in terms of Leicester adding a little bit more strength to their centre-backs they needed especially with Planter going um, I do think that leaves a big hole so yeah and obviously I've played with Lucy Um, she's got a lot of potential she's very comfortable on the ball it'd be interesting to see how Carla Ward uses her in terms of whether she drives out a lot from centre-back or whether she's just got to keep the ball moving because sometimes she does have a tendency to overplay and get caught. And I think that's obviously something that she is still learning when to make the right decisions. So it'd be very interesting to see how she does. But in terms of physicality, in terms of mentality, she'll be a fantastic addition for Aston Villa. I've no doubt she'll do really well there. And it'll be interesting as well. Obviously, Rachel Causey does play at centre-back at times alongside Anna Patton. So it'll be interesting like how that centre-back partnership looks obviously the experience of Causey but she's had injury issues a little bit older Patton and Parker would be quite a young centre-back pairing both exciting high potential 
talented young players. That's quite young for like a starting WSL team. It is, but they've got a lot of experience between them as well. And it gives them flexibility. And if you want to be a team that's trying to challenge for Champions League, they're the sort of dilemmas that you need and the strength and depth that you have. But also with those players, like you said, Lucy Parker can play holding midfield. I think she is better as a centre-back or even a right-back. Mm. Um, I think potentially going forward, that could be her position. But also Corsi, she can play holding mid. You know, there's a lot of flexibility in that team. So I think it'll be really good for them. It's all about the depth. Jesse, who you got for your centre-back pairing? Yeah, I picked Lucy Parker as well. I just think Villa, basically last season, obviously they scored a ton of goals and that's kind of how they did well. And I feel like they might struggle to score as many goals this season. So it feels like the obvious place to then improve is to bring your defence up because they conceded like as many goals last season as they did when they finished ninth. So it, it was like kind of bad on that level. And it was like Rachel Daly's goals, I think, made that feel not as obvious. And yeah, I just think Parker's clearly a very, very talented player. She's a great age to go there. She's got the experience of playing in a team where she had to defend a lot, which I think is useful when you're making that step up. I think often it's harder when, you know, you're looking at almost someone like Anna Patton potentially where you've kind of been used to playing in a team that has the ball a lot. And then my other pick for centre-back was Jocelyn Carabali, who's the Colombian centre-back that Brighton have signed. She obviously had a great World Cup and I think Brighton... Similar to kind of Aston Villa, although on a, you know, worse level, um, I think going forward, they look good for, for bits of last season, but defensively they were like horrible. And I know they're basically rebuilding that, the entire squad, but like particularly that entire defence is getting a massive overhaul. And I think Carabao is going to be a good linchpin to hang that on. Recently followed her on Insta as well. Good follow. Would recommend. <laughs> so I really, you know, I co-signed that. <laughs> Kate, defensive pairing, who you got? I've gone with neither of any of your choices. Wow. I've kind of tried to think who's going to improve a squad. I think Grace Fisk at Liverpool. She was on my long list. Yeah. Didn't make the short list, but she was on my long list. I think until you play with her, you don't realise the importance of her to a team. She's quick. She reads the game well. She's a good leader. And I think at times at West Ham, I think it was a struggle because of positioning of other players. I think she's going to be a really good addition for Liverpool in terms of what she can bring. Um, and I think Liverpool actually looked quite defensively solid last season. But I think what they lacked in a centre-back situation was a bit of pace. And if they wow, played... to Jilly. Woo! <laughs> Listen, Jilly, Jilly retired early, didn't she? So that pace went. Um, but I think, especially if they play three at the back, she's comfortable on the ball. She does like to pass through the lines. And so if she can play Fuka in the middle, if she can play Kerry Holland, players like that, that are good and comfortable on the ball, I think she'll be a really good addition to start attacks, but also defensively. And then my other one is a bit rogue, and I don't even know if I'm going to pronounce it right, Bula. Luana Bula. Uh, oh, she Swiss. was she was also on my long list. Yeah. yeah. So I think Hoffenheim. It, come on, you gotta yeah, go hard. Yeah. I think Hoffenheim. I genuinely thought you were gonna pick her, Jesse. I just um, rejected I just her. there were players I like more. I thought you were just about to say Hoffenheim's <laughs> first. <laughs> <laughs> that too. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I just think in terms of what Tottenham lacked a lot last season, 
I think defensively, as much as individually you could say they've got a lot of experience in that back line, they just didn't look that comfortable. And I think with a new manager as well, I think she's a good addition. I think she's comfortable on the ball. Yeah, I, I just think in terms of Tottenham, I think that's a good signing for them. And hopefully, well, not hopefully, but, you know, she'll she'll strengthen them in that area, I think. And I think that was much needed. Yeah, actually looking at Spurs' window, I think it's been positive. We mentioned Beth England already in Monday's show about how they'll miss that. But I think it's been a decent transfer window. And I'm excited to see the new coach and what they can do because they just really have to push on, I think. They can't have another season like last season. It was just bleak. And I think there is enough sort of energy around the club, especially with what the men's side are doing. I think it's never been good for the women's team because yeah. the men's side have always had such bad vibes around them. I think this season is a really good opportunity to lean into that and um, and really build on the good energy because we've spoken about before, Jesse, about how you know Arsenal's women's team has have really benefited from the vibes around the Emirates, from the vibes around Arteta, from the men's team doing well. I think Spurs has been the complete and utter opposite. So this could be a positive season. Kate, I didn't mention your right back though. Who's your right back? Yeah, I've gone for Mengwen for Brighton. Mm. I've not seen a lot of her, but what I have seen of her, I've been quite impressed. Obviously, a lot of experience for China. With Brighton, I'm impressed by a lot of their sign-ins and I do think she can strengthen them at right back. Whether she gets forward a lot, I don't know, but I just think she looks quite solid and, again, comfortable on the ball. I think she'll be a really good addition, so I'm excited to see her play. I've gone for a midfield two sitting in front. Two, the best two midfielders I think have been signed this window but I've in my latter picks haven't necessarily gone for the best but gone with like some of my faves so I think you know I think sometimes it's a little bit different not necessarily the best but the most interesting or who could have the biggest impact so I've gone for Kyra Cooney-Cross of course a huge signing for Arsenal was it 250 grand they paid for her um, Jesse, which is obviously massive and she was kind of off the back of the World Cup someone that everyone seemed to uh, want and then my other midfielder which I'm going to need Jessie's help pronouncing her first name her, her last name is um, you know pretty easy to pronounce but is it Shurka Nuskin Shurka Nuskin there we go uh, signed for Chelsea from Eintracht Frankfurt has already had a huge impact in the only preseason game I managed to watch because the rest of Chelsea's have been behind closed doors but she looks like a serious fine Jessie Tell us a little bit more about her because I'm loving her work already. Yeah, I'm obsessed with her. Uh, I also picked the exact same midfield as you, by the way. I think Nuskin, similar to what we're saying about Lawrence, is a player who's coming into a position where Chelsea have spent quite a while, I think, looking for a player who can play at the base of midfield, although Nuskin can play further forward. And we have already basically seen Emma Hayes use her as a 10 because she's obsessed with number 10s. She can also play centre-back, although Hayes seems quite strict that she will not play centre-back for Chelsea, even though that's what she did all last season for Eintracht Frankfurt. So a player who's like very versatile. Um, she is just someone who likes to go in for a tackle. She's very good on the ball. She can dribble. She can pass. She just looks like a really great all-round player, part of that sort of strange German school where they seem to only produce defensive midfielders at this point in time, which is ironic because then they can't actually defend. Um, <laughs> but I think she's a player who Chelsea have needed for a while. I think she's someone who can gel in whatever formation Hayes wants to play. Um, there's obviously a lot 
of options for Chelsea in that midfield. Now, if you're partnering her with someone like Cuthbert, maybe Cuthbert's going to look to do more of the dirty work and allow Nuskin to go forward a bit. But equally, if you're going to partner her with someone like Leupoltz, Nuskin might be the one doing more of the mopping up. I just think she's a young player. She's played a lot of minutes at a high level already. And yeah, I think she's going to be a real ceiling raiser for Chelsea. I've gone Cooney Cross as well. Obviously, the World Cup just showed everything that she's about. I don't really need to add any more to that. And I've also gone for Amy Palmer of Leicester. Oh, um, I like that. See, Le- the Leicester hype is real. It's not just me. Choices are so hipster today. <laughs> <laughs> they were going to say boring. I was like, oh, great. Um, no, I, again, I'm looking at who's going to make an impact at a club. And I've seen quite a bit of her. I think she's very technical. I think she's very intelligent. I think she can control the tempo. And I think she's exactly what Leicester need. They need a midfielder that can control that midfield. And yeah, just technically, I think the weight of her pass, she knows how to play balls into forward players, but she can also do the dirty side as well. And I actually think she's going to have a really good season. I think she's one to watch that maybe people have kind of seen her previously. I think she was at Man United for a little bit and and maybe didn't get the chance to try and play in WSL, but she's still fairly young. So I'm excited to see her play. I think she will make a big difference to that Leicester midfield. Love that pick. I've got a attacking three sitting in front and this is where I get kind of funky because these are not players I think are the best signings, but I do think they could have a big impact at their respective clubs. So we've got on the left, Paulina Bremer. Down the middle, Deanne Rose, icon. Chloe Lacasse on the right, another icon. Deanne Rose and Chloe Lacasse, I've stand them for a very long time. So if you're a Calpress true head, you should know why I picked those two. Deanne Rose came back very late uh, last season from an Achilles injury that she did, I think, like at the start of the season. But we've all seen the impact that she had with Reading. I think another really good signing for Leicester. And they, God, do they need attacking players because that is just somewhere where they've struggled. They just don't create. They can't score goals. And I think in terms of impact, she could have a huge impact. Chloe Lacasse, someone I've liked for a really long time. And I think she's played really well already for Arsenal in those Champions League games. She was a standout player. And I think I actually didn't expect her to slot in and play so well so quickly. It's going to be interesting what happens to her once Beth Mead comes back and the role that she might play in that Arsenal side, because I think she will probably just be a bit of a squad player. But I do think, you know, she could be important in some of those games later in the season. Obviously not going to be the Champions League, but Conti Cup, FA Cup. And Pauline Bremer, I think, you know, someone who has been good on and off for Wolfsburg, had a few injury issues, but someone who I think could have a massive impact on Brighton, who also I think struggled for goals last season, were a little bit chaotic, but you got a bit of experience, you got a bit of a attacking know-how. The um, best goals per 90 ratio in WSL history, Paulina Bremer has. Wow. That's Huge. pretty decent. That's why we played Page S the big box right there. What do you think, guys? I, I kind no, of felt like that. I really pitched that yeah. three <laughs> and I'm not getting as much love as no, I thought I, like I would. Bremer was on my long list. Okay. I actually didn't realise that she was still that Going. young. <laughs> I thought, would well, I just... I she is young. She's I just hasn't like played she's much been football. Around she's been for around so forever. Yeah. And I just expected her to be like 32. City signed her from Lyon as part of the Lucy Bronze going the wow. other way deal. Lucy Bronze has since come back and yeah. then gone again. And then gone, yeah. <laughs> so I didn't realise that she actually was still so young. Like, obviously she's not like a baby, but I just I just thought she was like in her she 30s. She probably would make our transfer. She, has, no, she, was a baby. <laughs> she, 
She has Probably that energy, not. but she's like she's been around the block. She's seen some shit. Yeah, she's had some bad injuries, but I think she's ready. She's here to play, and you know, bring back some of that old energy from the WSL. Yeah, no, I I totally agree. I, she's not in my eleven, but I totally agree. She was on my long list. So. She was on. She was on my long list. Yeah. So um, then hit me with your what, what's your midfield? Because I've well, gone for the four two three one. But you, yeah, uh, so I've just got Macario now. Yeah, same. I potentially think she could be the most exciting signing. Um, She hasn't played a lot. (laughs) She hasn't played a lot in the last year. Um, But I think when she played for Leon, whenever I've seen her in Champions League, I've just been like, she could be special. And I think Chelsea, where they've had injuries with Fran Kirby and Harder and as much as Lauren James has come in and done fantastically well, you also need another special player. And I think she could be that person that can bring that to Chelsea. Hopefully Frank Kirby can have a, a good season this year and stay fit. But I just think she's another player that you just go, wow, Chelsea are adding some quality. And I think she's going to be really exciting to watch. Jesse, you know more than me, but... I feel really excited. I, I, yeah, <laughs> I, I think I think she's going to be really exciting to, to watch. Jesse, before we dig into what kind of player she is, any info on a return date for her? No, and I think this is why it feels a bit like it's really exciting, but it's also not because mm-hmm. we're not going to see her at Stamford Bridge on Sunday. Mm-hmm. I think it might be a couple more months, but I was surprised that she did as much with the squad as she seemed to do in pre-season in terms of... There were photographs of her on grass, but whether they were just photographs. You know what Hayes is like? Yeah, if she it's all had, a mystery. If she had to put Macar- <laughs> make Macario walk out of the gym to go and stand on the grass to make it look <laughs> she like she would. might be ready soon, she would. Yeah. Um, I think it'll be a, a couple of months. And I also just think Chelsea won't rush it. It's a bit like the Lauren James thing. I don't think she's going to be out for like the entire season like James was, but I think Chelsea are happy to take time with players given where their squad is to allow them to come back and hopefully be fit for much longer periods of time. I think because of that, that's why the signing feels like, and also because it happened really early. Yeah. And I feel like this happened a lot with Chelsea's window. It's like people seem to have forgotten who got signed um, because it all got done kind of before the World Cup, really. But yeah, I think she's a special, special player. She's someone who obviously has experience of going and playing in a very good team and she really shone in that Leon team at a time when actually they they were kind of going through it. She was really instrumental in that Champions League win and I just feel like her ability to play as a nine or as a ten or even further back is something again that Chelsea really value. They really like that sort of versatility and yeah I'm really really excited to see how she fits into the team and it feels like I know this now happened also quite a long time ago, but with Harder leaving, if you kind of had to ask, like, who is the, like, younger player who you go and get who's, like, maybe most similar to Harder, like, Macario probably would be up there. And I think it's just very, like, clever recruitment from Chelsea, I think, ultimately, in terms of being able to go and get one of, like, the most exciting young players in the world, even though, obviously, we're not entirely sure how she's going to come back from the ACL. Yeah, and I was going to say, before that injury, she was also one of the biggest sort of like next-gen talents in the world. And I think you forget that when someone spends so much time on the sidelines and her returns being quite slow, is that other people sort of fill that void and that narrative. But 
This is a serious coup from Chelsea. She is someone that everyone was trying to sign when she came out of college. Leon got there and, you know, she was exceptional for them before that injury. And I think she is someone who could have a very exciting WSL career. So I've only got one player left, but you guys went for 4-3-3, right? Mm -hmm. So my uh, number nine choice, which is obviously going to be interesting how she plays in this league, is Hinata Miyazawa, obviously a World Cup Golden Boot winner. Uh, coming off a hot tournament. And I think there could be some World Cup tax here. So you have to be careful, but she obviously had a brilliant tournament and I hope it works out for her. There's going to be an interesting sort of scenario in, are oh, United going to play like two up top? Uh, will Jay-Z start in the nine? Um, I think that's going to be interesting. Like United have so many options now, especially in that area of the pitch. So I will be intrigued to see how they play. But I think, you know, it's pretty exciting that another big World Cup star is coming over. And I think she showed that this summer, what she can do. So that's my team, guys. So it's Kate, decent. hit um, me with your front three. I have her as well. Okay. I've kind of cheated and put her on my right wing. Okay. I was really impressed with her at the World Cup. Really liked the look of her. I think that's a really good sign-in from Man United. It will be interesting to see how she does in WSL, but I certainly think she's going to cause the defences a lot of problems. I've gone Russo down the middle. I know it's quite an obvious choice, but I just think with what Arsenal have probably lacked in terms of an out-and-out goal scorer, especially with the injuries that they've suffered, I do think that she will be an important signing for them. I'm sure she'll score a lot of goals. And... My other one, this is the one where it's like a loan term permanent. I've just gone Kirsty Hansen. Um, if you asked me last year, would I have put her anywhere near a, an 11 of of great signings? I would have said no. But I think she's really progressed well. I think she suits the way that Villa play really well. Her confidence, her strength, her speed. I thought she caused Lucy Bronze a lot of problems in the Scotland-England game. I know playing against her as well, I've been really impressed with how she did last season. I think it was massive for Villa to get that over the line and I think they would have been really disappointed if they couldn't have signed her permanently for this season and especially with Villa signings. I mean, they've signed a lot of forward players but for me, I can't see her not starting the games. Of course, there's going to be rotation but I do think she's almost just as key as Rachel Daly in that front three and yeah, credit to her. I think she's progressed really well and I think she's a huge signing for Aston Villa. Jesse, Yeah, very similar to Kate. I went with Kirsty Hansen. I basically echo everything Kate said. And she's also my pick of, wow, I didn't realise how young she was still. Yeah. Um, she is someone who it feels like has really gone to another level at Villa. That feeling, I guess, of being trusted by Ward, I think has really, really helped her. She had the fourth most carries that ended in shots of any player last season. You know, so when you're looking at, Obviously, like I think Hemp and Kelly are kind of the players who are above her and maybe Batia as well. But it's pretty good company to be in. And I think in terms of having that that variety in the way Villa play, obviously they, they've kind of really prioritised having a lot of sort of quite creative midfielders when you're looking at sort of Staniforth, Nob, Starley. But then having someone who can actually just like drive with the ball. And yeah, I think said on Monday, but against Lucy Bronze, she just looked immense. She just looked so happy to just like steamroller through. So yeah, I think it was really sensible for Villa to make that loan permanent. On the right, I went with Deanne Rose. She's my Leicester pick. Everyone had to have a Leicester pick apparently. Yeah, of course. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see how she kind of comes back this season and, and how she looks. Obviously, her time at Reading was punctuated with some like highlights and lowlights. And I feel like the sort of 
glimpses that we've seen since she's come back. She's looked like she's still maybe trying to find some confidence in her body again. But I definitely think she will give Leicester that sort of... In Team Swords at the Bottom, having a player who's going to give you that dynamism or that feeling that like she could just do something out of nothing, I think that's a really big confidence boost. And that is what she offered Reading for a long time, obviously. I, unfortunately, I never forget the goal against Chelsea when we lost. Like That's the thing that sticks out for me. Um, but yeah, I, I think she'll be a really good addition there. And then at the nine, I, I went with Alessia Russo as well. I think she's just such a fantastic player. I think she fits everything that Idaval wants from a striker. She's a great presser. She's very energetic. She's physical. She's amazing in the air. I actually think that's a really underrated thing that United have gone of lost um, in terms of having a player who can sort of in both boxes like really get up and win balls. I just think obviously there's been sort of question marks about like the number of goals she scored, but I just think even if she never becomes like a real volume player like Kerr or Bunny, like I don't think it has to matter. I just think what she offers in terms of link-up play is so, so good. And she's got a real variety of finishes in her locker, like even looking at the goal she scored against the Netherlands, like that kind of readjustment of her body. Yeah, I really, really like her. I will give honourable mentions though to Paulina Bremer and uh, JC because I do think JC could fit in really, really well in that United system. Again, a player who really likes to press and close defenders down. So I think she'll do well at United. Yeah, and you already see with Russo especially the sort of impact she's had already in Arsenal. And obviously they lost those games and the penalty she took in that shootout was not good. But I think overall she's had a really positive impact already. They already look so much better in and around the box. I think her movement's really good and her link-up play is obviously really, really strong. And Miedemar is, you know, still a little while off her comeback. So they need that so much. Jesse, what are your thoughts on how Miyazawa and Jay-Z will kind of work? Do you think do you think United will go two up? top or how do you think that impacts the way United are going to play? I've honestly got no idea. Um, <laughs> Miyazawa's never really played as a nine. I think uh, traditionally in Japan, she's normally played on the left or as a 10. So it'll be interesting. I think she is obviously someone who can play in all of those attacking positions. But the World Cup goal glut was quite random. I think the most she's ever scored in a single season, like ignoring international goals, is like six. And she got five at the World Cup. So it was very like out there. I still think she's like a great player, but I hope United haven't signed her thinking she's going to score a load of goals because I don't think that's going to happen. But yeah, I think it'll be interesting. I wonder whether she'll sit behind JC, but then it'll be interesting to see how that impacts Ella Toon, um, who I think has a big season ahead of her because I think she's someone obviously United will now really look to to sort of lead them in some ways. But yeah, I really don't understand all of United's attacking signings and kind of how they work. But I think they're all good individual players. I think it'll be interesting to see how Skinner, if Skinner, can bring them all together. Well, that I was going to say it also relies on Mark Skinner actually rotating and picking different players, which she hasn't done a ton in the past. So it feels like maybe he'll, you know, Jay-Z will start and that attacking setup will look fairly similar, like she'll slot into the role that maybe Russo played and everyone else will kind of, you know, stay compact. But we will have to wait and see on Sunday. So those are our WSL transfer 11s. Obviously, let us know on Twitter what you think at Counterpressed. Um, great work, guys. Really strong. Thank you. Can I just have another honourable mention yeah. who unfortunately has just done her ACL? Um, I was really excited to watch... Emma Watson mm. of Man United and I think she looks a real talent and I've heard a lot of good things about her from players that have played with her as well and um, yeah it's a real shame because I think 
I don't expect her to get loads of game time at Man United. But yeah, she was up there for one of the signings for me because I think she's definitely got a, a great career ahead of her. Before we go, want to talk about the really tragic passing last week of Sheffield United player Maddie Cusack. It was a situation that really hit the women's football community hard last week. Some amazing tributes over the weekend, especially during the Premier League games from various clubs. A few championship games, a few National League games have been cancelled or postponed as a result. I think there was a you know an amazing tribute that Sheffield United posted on their social media yesterday Day, on, on Wednesday, which I think just really summed up how amazing Maddie Cusack was as a person and how important she was at the, the club as a whole. So I just wanted to reference that more than anything. So I'm just going to uh, read that out. Last week, Sheffield United lost a member of the family. Maddie Cusack was the longest serving player with Sheffield United Women and also worked for the Blades as a marketing executive. Her face will be familiar to many. Maddie was a popular member of the Blades family and her passing last week has stunned everyone at S2 who share the grief of the Cusack family and of course Maddie's friends and teammates. Maddie first arrived at the club in 2019 and chalked up over 100 appearances for Sheffield United Women, replicating her energy on the pitch with her love for marketing in the offices at Bramall Lane. The amount of tribute and messages of condolence that have been received following the sad news is a measure of the regard she was held in, not just in football circles. It's difficult to put into words the esteem she was held in. The whole football fraternity has come out to pay their respect and Sheffield United appreciate the solidarity. The club is devastated to lose a much-loved sister, but she will not be forgotten. Rest in peace, Maddie. And obviously, all our thoughts go out to the Sheffield United players, the community, the fans, and obviously everyone in the championship because it's a very hard few weeks. This has really impacted so many people. And of course, uh, we remember Maddie Cusack and the amazing person she was. So thank you, everyone, for listening to today's show. We'll obviously be back after the opening weekend of the WSL on Sunday with a lot to talk about, I'm sure. Kate, good to have you back. Yes, yeah, good to be back. Thank you. Jesse, you'll be doing the doubleheader on Sunday. Oh, I can't wait. Big day. I'm really excited. Also, guys, um, I don't want to break news live on the pod, but Caroline Weir's done her ACL. No. Fuck. Oh, no. Okay, uh, we will see you all on Monday. <laughs>